Hello and welcome to the Macbeth monologues. This monologue is about Banquo and Banquo's family and their importance in the play Macbeth. Banquo is Macbeth's brave and noble best friend and also his second victim. It would be easy to simply view Banquo as another one of Macbeth's victims, but he's so much more than that. We first meet Banquo in Act 1, Scene 2 with Macbeth, after they both fought valiantly for Duncan's side in a recent battle. Duncan acknowledges Banquo as no less deserved of praise than Macbeth and says that they are worthy gentlemen. Despite these compliments, from the beginning of the play, Banquo is overshadowed by Macbeth's accomplishments and ambition. However, Banquo is not entirely without ambition of his own. In Act 1, Scene 3, he asks for a prophecy from the witches. He isn't frightened of them at all. And he asks, if you can look into the seeds of time and say which grain will grow and which will not, speak then to me, who neither beg nor fear your favours nor your hate. Banquo is pleased to learn that his children will rule Scotland. The witches tell him that he will be lesser than Macbeth and greater. Not so happy, yet much happier. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none. So all hail Macbeth and Banquo. Banquo does seem slightly wary of the witch's words, telling Macbeth that oftentimes, to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles to betray us in deepest consequence. Here, Shakespeare gives us a hint that the witch's prophecies will not be positive for Banquo. After this, in Act 1, Scene 4, Duncan greets Banquo as a hero, calling him Noble Banquo. Banquo reveals his total loyalty to the king when he tells Duncan, There if I grow, the harvest is your own. This shows Banquo's unshakable loyalty to the king one reason why Macbeth kills him later on. At this point in the play, the audience have no reason to worry about Banquo's fate. We might begin to like the character as he's loyal and noble. Let's move on to Act 2. Before the infamous dagger scene, Banquo is speaking to his son, Fleance. He tells him, there's husbandry in heaven, their candles are all out. The candles that he refers to are the stars in the night sky. There are no stars and it's a very dark night. This is pathetic fallacy, when the weather reflects the events of the play. The play is about to take a very dark turn indeed. Banco says he cannot sleep because he has cursed thoughts. This could be because of what he's witnessed in war, like PTSD. Or it could be because of what the witch has told him. When he meets Macbeth in this scene, he says, I dreamt last night of the three weird sisters. Macbeth lies to him by replying, I think not of them. At this point in the play, the audience may wonder why Macbeth is lying to his best friend. Is this the start of him cutting ties when he knows what he's about to do? Banquo tells Macbeth he will do everything he can to support him as long as his allegiance is clear. This means he won't compromise himself, his conscience and his values, which probably seals his fate in Macbeth's eyes. 
In Act 2, Scene 3, the characters learn about the death of Duncan. Banquo speaks to Macduff, saying, Dear Duff, say it is not so. The fact that Banquo calls Macduff Duff shows the audience that they're clearly close. Banquo seems to be friends with everyone, and this is something that Macbeth does not need. As we know, the play ends with Macbeth versus Macduff, so Banquo's friendship with Macduff will not be a good thing in Macbeth's eyes. Moving on to Act 3. Banquo is speaking to Macbeth again and he says, I fear thou played most foully for it. Here the audience learn that Banquo is suspicious that Macbeth killed Duncan. He's calling him out rather than keeping his suspicions to himself. The audience will probably start to worry about Banquo's fate here. Macbeth invites Banquo to the coronation feast later that day, saying, fail not our feast. This is ironic because Banquo says he will attend the feast and he does, well, his ghost does. Macbeth then mulls over his own thoughts on Banquo, saying, our fears in Banquo stick deep. He's clearly concerned that Banquo will cause problems for him. The audience learn that Macbeth's main concerns are because they, the witches, hailed him father to a line of kings. But upon my head, they placed a fruitless crown. This shows that Macbeth is worried that he has no children, he's fruitless, to become his heir. And the witches actually foretold that Banquo's children will become future kings. At this point, Macbeth's solution is to have Banquo killed so he cannot father more children and also have Banquo's son, Fleance, killed. Even the murderers that Macbeth hired to do the killing for him question Macbeth's motives because Banquo is such a great guy. It's quite interesting, I think, that Macbeth killed Duncan himself but won't kill his best friend. Did he not like murder? We know he's able to kill because he's a war hero, but something stops him from killing his own friend, so that's why he hires the murderers. In Act 3, Scene 3, Banquo is killed, but his final words are selfless to try and save his son. He says, Oh, treachery, fly, good Fleance, fly. And Fleance does indeed escape. When the murderers tell Macbeth about this, he is not happy. However, he says, but Banquo's safe? He doesn't mean safe as in safe and well. He means safely disposed of. The murderer replies, I, my good lord, safe in a ditch with 20 gashes on his head. The audience will see here that the murderer is almost proud of the way in which he dispatched Banquo. And Macbeth is also happy about this. This is a real turning point for Macbeth. He's had his best friend killed... And this shows the audience that he will stop at nothing to become the king. At the feast, Banquo's ghost appears to Macbeth as a manifestation of his guilt. Macbeth says, never shake thy gory locks at me. The audience see that he's clearly suffering from a guilty conscience at what he's done. 
However, when giving his toast, he speaks of our dear friend Banquo, whom we miss. This is a very two-faced move from Macbeth, one which the audience will pick up on. He doesn't mean that they miss Banquo as in he's dead, because nobody else knows that at this point. He means that he's just missing from the feast. Banquo still torments Macbeth from beyond the grave in Act 4, scene 1. When Macbeth asks the witches, shall Banquo's issue, children, ever reign in this kingdom? He's clearly still concerned about their first prophecy. The witches show Macbeth a line of kings who he speaks to and says, thou art too like the spirit of Banquo, down. At this point, Macbeth realises that killing Banquo did not alter the original prophecy. The audience... Don't learn if Banquo's descendants become king. But as all of the other prophecies become true, we can assume that they do. Interestingly, Shakespeare wrote this play for King James, the King of England, who himself was actually a descendant of Banquo. This would have greatly pleased the English monarch. <laughs>